Chad, Chad, we got baseball, buddy. Are you as yes, excited as that little girl who gets her first day of school to go in and meet the teacher for the first time? I bet you are, buddy, because the Cubs uh, are back. This is amazing. It's awesome. And I got to tell you, Rhino, it felt so good to have the Cubs in my ear and in front of me on the TV. It almost, dare I say, in the most abnormal year, felt kind of normal. It certainly did feel a little more normal than it usually does. Listen, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to grade Grandpa Rossi on his first several games as the manager of the Cubs. We're going to talk about the pitching rotation. We're going to talk about that bullpen. And man, does it get me boiling when I think about it. It is a lot that we have to cover, Chad. And we have a very special guest, don't we, buddy? I got to tell you, when we put this show out the very first time, I told you, I told you, I told you I had one guest in particular that was my dream guest. And listeners, each and every one of you, I'm so proud to share that we had the opportunity in the day before the season started to talk to Pat Hughes, legendary radio voice of the Chicago Cubs. So Pat is going to be our guest here on the seventh inning stretch. We hope you stick around because the Friendly Confines podcast starts right now. First inning now, Chad, and we have seen a, a small sample size, but baseball is back. We have officially been able to see the Cubs for a couple of series now, and we get our first glimpse of what this 2020 season of the Chicago Cubs in this ball club is going to look like, so to speak. So with that being said, let's start with the happiness meter, Chad. You can either go with your happiness as a whole with the team or players that have made you happy so far. You can go either or. Where would you like to go with it first? The floor is yours. What has made you happy about the Chicago Cubs so far? Yeah, you know, I, we're, you know we're, we'll break down some of the individual pieces about the rotation, talk about what's going on in the bullpen in later innings. You know, what I'll just share with you, my happiness meter, it's 100. I mean, it absolutely is an A+. Plus. It's, it's five stars out of five because the Cubs are playing. I mean, we just got a week of what felt like normalcy. The Cubs have been on my TV. The Cubs have been on the radio. The Cubs have been on the speakers in my house. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, it, it, it feels somewhat normal in the most abnormal year of my entire life. So for that reason, you know, I am ecstatic. And I, and I hope the listeners are feeling the same way. I mean, this, the Cubs are playing. There's so many unknowns. This, the, the rug could get pulled out tomorrow, but we'll still have what we've had. And I'm not going to miss a, an inning, a pitch, a game. I'm, I'm stoked about it. And what I also love about it is I was shocked by this. I mean, you know, Marty Brenneman, you know, who used to be the Cubs broadcaster, his uh, the, uh, the Reds broadcaster, his son now, um, Tom Brenneman has taken over as is, is, is the, the broadcaster. And he was praising the, the joy and the excitement uh, of, of the Cubs. He actually did that on the broadcast. I mean, you can tell these are multimillionaires. They're having fun. And he was almost knocking the Reds for being more businesslike. And so I am seeing my Cubs team excited. I'm seeing them energized. And I, they're out there playing for us. I know they're making a lot of money, guys. I get it. But they're playing ball, and I couldn't be happier. How about you? Yeah, and, and it's funny with the Brenneman comment because people know who are Cub fans that – uh, Tom Brenneman never misses an opportunity to take shots never. at the Chicago Cubs. So I think a lot of people were completely shocked that he actually threw a compliment. Very much so. Way. Um, I'm in the same ballpark as you with this. I'm just happy that baseball is back. We have been craving for it this entire time. We have wanted to see 
some semblance of sports and we finally have it. Is it perfect? No, it's not. But you know what? I have said already on this podcast that I was already kind of taking this season for what it was, right? Because 60 games, we know it's not going to be the type of season that we're used to. So for whatever it is that it's going to be, I'm willing to accept it. So with that being the case, as you have stated already, I am just happy that we're watching baseball live with even without fans, even under the circumstances that we have, we are watching live sports again. And that for me is an absolute win. And that's what makes me happy. So let's move on to the second inning, Chad. And even though there is sports going on, that doesn't mean that, you know, the players are certainly not concerned about what is going on when it comes to the coronavirus. And Anthony Rizzo uh, recently blasting Major League Baseball for the lack of player safety protocols during rain delays. Now, the Cubs experienced a rain delay on Thursday, had their game postponed against the Reds. And you're really not supposed to be hanging out in the dugout for long periods of time because you don't want to be around, you know, your teammates as much as you don't have to be, especially during a pandemic. And Anthony Rizzo clearly uh, was a little upset by this. He tweeted out at the league's official account at MLB, let's sit around for eight plus hours inside the clubhouse. I'm sure I can find that somewhere in the 113 page player safety protocol. Um, Then Rizzo followed up that tweet by sending a picture of the weather radar to the Reds account, asking where they saw a window to play. So I can't say that I fault Anthony Rizzo for this. I understand that Rob Manfred is, uh, you know, definitely the target of a lot of things going on. And we're going to get into that uh, very shortly, but listen, good for Anthony Rizzo, because this is a guy who is probably one of the most genuine players, not just on the Cubs, but in baseball. And I love the fact that look, we are in a pandemic. These players are putting their health on the line to play in this game. And if there are not the proper protocols that are being put in place, who else is going to stand up for these guys yeah. if they're not going to stand up for themselves? So kudos to Anthony Rizzo for doing this. And I, I am glad that he has, you know, the chutzpah, so to speak, if I may use that word, to uh, be able to put himself out there and, and make sure that, you know what, we are not just going to stand idly by and allow these things to happen. Yeah, and, and I'll I'll share. I mean, you know, there's been a lot longer rain delays in baseball. This was a short rain delay before it was postponed. But I get what Anthony's saying, I, and I think Major League B- Baseball needs to learn from this instance of this fourth game uh, uh, of the Reds Cardinal series or the Reds Cub series. I'm off today on on my my team names, Rhino. Um, <laughs> the Reds Cub series. It, just to say, um, when they're aware that weather is going to potentially be an issue. Just move it, call it, beat it. And I love that there's a proposal already out there this week saying because of, you know, situations that are come up, like what's happened with the the Yankees and the Phillies and the Marlins, we're going to dig into that, that as doubleheaders need to be a a possibility going forward to make those into seven inning games. For all the purists out there that are upset about the designated hitter, upset about the run run second, upset about the fact that we could have doubleheaders with seven innings, again, we're watching baseball. This is a unique year. Would you rather have nothing or would you have, rather have some competition? Because I've been very excited about the first week here. And I, I also apl- applaud Anthony for, for what he shared, what he said. Major League Baseball needs to do a much better job. And that, that, that is an absolute fact. If they know there's going to be any sort of delay, 
move on, punt, just just do what you can do to keep these players safe. You cannot do something that is going to come back to bite you in the ass. All right, so let's move on to the third inning now, Chad. And uh, even though that we have seen plenty of baseball, there are certain teams that haven't really seen a lot of baseball, namely the Miami Marlins and the Philadelphia Phillies, who have not played at all uh, following the first weekend of baseball. The Marlins continue to have issues and being in South Florida, where there is a major hotspot in the South Florida area, as many as 19 members of the Miami Marlins, including 17 players, have tested positive in recent days. Um, there's reports saying that players were going out in Atlanta, and that's kind of where this started. And the Phillies are obviously having some issues as well, as they are having multiple players testing positive. Uh, I know you would. You had said this first. You were the yeah. one that mentioned this. Uh, I recognize that. I also recognize the fact that we knew that this would not go off without any hitches. Uh, and we knew there was going to be plenty of them and plenty of hiccups along the way. Um, but they are obviously trying to figure this out on the fly. But it didn't take long, Chad, yeah. to see this already happen four days into the Major League Baseball season. Yeah, and and it, I'm not here to say I told you something. It was my fear. It wasn't a this is going to happen. You're gonna I'm going to be right. My biggest fear was you'd lose a team. You know, I, I joked around. You'd lose the. What if you lost the starting lineup for the Yankees? And and what you had said, well, you got the taxi squad next man up, bring it in. Well, it wasn't even safe enough to bring in the taxi squad. And oh yeah, by the way, the Miami team, which was decimated um, by infections, they were in a training room and training facilities, in a dugout, in a in a in a in a locker room. No other team wants to go in there unless that place has been completely fixed and fumigated. There's a lot of research showing that that infected people inside an enclosed space, that is one of the most unsafe places. So this is a, an exposure to, um, you know, baseball choosing to, because of the Players Association mainly, choosing to not choose a bubble format. Plus, it logistically was going to be very difficult to do a bubble format. Um, and, and it would have been a big sacrifice to do a bubble format. So they're still flying around the country Right now, it's it's three teams impacted. Um, but I, I mentioned this on the Cubs uh, Friendly Confines uh, Facebook page I mean, on Tuesday. A team, the Phillies, that may have been exposed to COVID by another team, the Marlins, that has lost half their roster to COVID, who has to isolate, then has to play another team, the Blue Jays, who was barred from playing in its own country because the government was concerned about Major League Baseball's plan in place. And so this is week one, everyone. And now my doomsday scenario is we're – we're looking at however many games you get in, you get in. It doesn't really matter. And the best winning percentage goes. And if actual teams have to drop off, then the East is going to be easier to win. You know, if, if the Marlins end up just dropping out. So it could yeah. happen, everyone. And it, right now it's, it's what can we do? Like what Anthony's talking about to make sure that nothing else that puts them at a, at a, at a, at any risk at all continues to happen. Right. So true. All right. So let's move on to the fourth inning now. And Chad, as we mentioned, we've seen a small sample size, but so far we have been able to kind of assess some of the moves that David Ross has made as manager of the Chicago Cubs. So for now, what is the grade you are giving him? I'll start with this one. I personally think David Ross gets a solid B plus to start off right now. I think there's some things Interesting. that I think he has done a very good job with. Uh, the starting rotation being one of them. I think he's done a nice job of playing certain players in good spots, but I also think that he does need to 
maybe tweak the lineup at some point. Um, namely, Chris Bryant, who's in the leadoff spot, who has just not unfortunately gotten off to a very good start in the leadoff spot right now. And that might be something that he's going to have to take a look at because, as we know, you can't take too much time in this 60-game season knowing that there's not a lot of games to make up at that point. Uh, the bullpen, we'll get to that, but certainly I understand he doesn't have much to work with here, but I think he also has to start to kind of try to figure out who the guys are that he can really rely on, or can he rely on anybody? And again, we'll get to that in a second. But listen, a B-plus is nothing to sneeze at. I think that's a very solid grade. I'm, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Wait, you're going you're gonna to come down at me for a B-plus? Yeah, I am. I am because you're mainly just saying you're putting it on Chris Bryant failing at the leadoff spot. I, I, you know, Chris I mean, is failing you know, at the leadoff. This is a Tony LaRusso we're talking about here. He's a first year manager with, uh, you know, just right. several games under his belt. And and I'm going to grade him as a first year manager. And what I've seen is a lot of roster flexibility. I've seen I've been very impressed where how, how he's gotten a lot of people, a lot of rap reps, rather, and a lot of at bats and a lot of opportunities to play. So I think he's done a really nice job. I give him the A just solidly on the fact that, you know, Joe Madden would not have let uh Kyle Hendricks <laughs> finished game one you and I both know it so I give him the A just so just because we had that opening day uh, uh complete game shutout and so that was pretty awesome um I do I have been very impressed with his demeanor um with how he has juggled the roster and and I know we're not talking about Chris Bryant here uh Ryan but I'll just share this with you if not him who because you don't want to put a platoon situation in there where you've got different people coming in so you'd have to choose somebody who's a position player to be your leadoff guy and I say right now at the point of this recording the Cubs are leading the division with Chris Bryant finding his spot in the leadoff position. However, if you look closer, he's taking a lot of pitches. He's working a lot of accounts, a lot of counts, uh, and, and really forcing the pitcher to work. Um, I don't know who else you put in that position. I say give Chris more of an opportunity. And with the D8 situation, it's really only the first at bat of the game that matters. Yeah, I think at some point, Nico Horner or Ian Happ could be the guy. I really do. But again, let's uh, let's I, I don't think you can do it. Player. I just don't, I don't think you could do it if they're not because th th those guys are not everyday players. Well, I don't know. They I mean, might be pretty soon if they keep playing the way that they do. They might be pretty soon. All right, let's let's move on to the fifth inning, Chad, and uh, let's let's talk about the Achilles heel in this team, so to speak, and that's being the bullpen. And uh, this team obviously has some major issues going on when it comes to the bullpen and what is uh, happening with this team. Uh, we just saw a complete almost implosion in the red series in, you know, the, the first game that the Cubs won in that, uh, you know, three games said um, this, this bullpen and especially Craig Kimbrell just continues to become something that allows people's blood pressure and um, makes people go on heart medication every single time they take the mound, mine included. Um, this is uh, going to be an issue moving forward if they cannot find a, a good combination. And we mentioned Dylan Maples uh, got option. I believe Colin Ray now is come up from the uh, minors. So uh, I, I think, you know, David Ross keeps saying that, you know, they just need to get reps and he's trying to kind of give them growth, I believe is the correct term he used. But uh, I'm concerned, Chad. I, I am not <laughs> I'm not sitting here going, everything's going to be okay because I don't know if it will be. Yeah. I, I'm a, we're a weekend. Craig Kimbrell, 
that's a problem. So, um, I have really great concerns about him. I mean, uh, you know, the one time he came in, it, 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 the, the Cubs offense bailed him out because obviously they scored enough where he had an opportunity to, um, you know, to make enough mistakes. It was an exciting game, most exciting game of the year. Um, but it was way too close. You know, they didn't swing at one of his curveballs. He's telegraphing his curveballs. Um, and the problems we noticed last year, which is he's no longer that 98, 99 guy. He's now at 93, 94, and he just doesn't have the zip he had before. So he's either going to have to figure it out. And there are some people on the staff, Lester and, and Hendricks are two really good examples of guys that don't have the overpowering stuff, but still know how to work a count, work a pitcher. But that's never been Kimbrell's way. He's never, he's been the overpowering guy. And uh, I, I do, I have some concerns, but you know, you, you said, you know, it, before the season started way back when uh, the Jeffries might be the guy, you know, you thought that was one of the most important pickups that the Cubs yeah. had and he may end up being the guy. So it's not as if the Cubs are without an option there, but yeah, the bullpen, they're going to continue to tweak and adjust and always keep in mind, this is an offense geared game. Now they're doing things to the ball and other things. So there's going to be more offense. Um, the bullpen regardless is, you know, the days of the one, two, three, you know get get it to the sixth inning and have three straight guys that's rare these days and the Cubs are definitely not going to have it over the 60 game stretch all right so let's move on to the sixth inning now Chad and you mentioned it earlier in the show but uh the rotation right now definitely the strong suit of this team uh it's pretty safe to say overall I, I mean I gotta hand it to the starting rotation obviously Kyle Hendricks opening night pitched a gem then Kyle Hendricks doing his thing that he does on the road, not pitch well. It, it yeah. is absolutely baffling to me how he is so amazing at Wrigley and is just a completely different pitcher on the road. Um, Darvish, again, you know, just frustrating to watch. It is, it is absolutely just gnaws away to think that this guy is so talented and yet he can't figure out how to get out of the fourth inning sometimes. Um, but yet, I had mentioned last week that I thought Alec Mills was yep. going to be a guy that this yep. team had to rely on. You said Tyler Chadwood was a guy that this team had to rely on. And both of them came through yeah. with great performances. And, of course, John Lester, I mean, what can you say? Once again, had a tremendous outing, um, five innings of no-hit baseball. And, uh, you know, obviously, as he gets himself more rounded into shape, I would like to think he would be able to go longer in the game. But... Kudos to the rotation overall, because this is what's going to have to carry the team. And now with Jose Quintana potentially coming back at some point, you think maybe you add him to the bullpen or you bring him back into the rotation, put Chatwood in the rotation. But I think with Quintana going in the bullpen, maybe makes more sense because then you got a lefty you can bring out of the pen. But overall, I'm happy with the rotation right now. That is the one thing the Cubs can rely on going into each game. I'm not thinking about Jose right now. I think that's a little premature, but I, I appreciate looking into the future. I mean, I, I still think a six-man rotation with these the few days off this team has, it, it just might be good to give people like John Lester a spell here and there and just work people around where it's kind of a, a five-and-a-half-man rotation where everybody kind of gets to skip a start, you know, to keep fresh for the – because this is a sprint. This is a sprint unlike any other. It's going to go to a playoff sprint unlike any other. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, you Darvish, no surprise there. He's either going to be brilliant or he's going to struggle. And what we saw towards the down the stretch last year was brilliance. He looked as un, as unbeatable and unstoppable as as peer, as he as he could look. Um, his his first game of this season, not so much. Uh, Hendricks, masterful. 
uh, masterful. John Lester, five innings of no hit ball showed me something I didn't even expect. I mean, he, he looks like such a, a much even smarter pitcher, just, just playing with him and hitting his spots, getting everything he wanted to hit. And, uh, and then as it applied to Mills and Chatwood, I mean, I'm really feeling good about what we saw with those. I mean, we're talking games in Cincinnati where it is very easy to score runs. And let's give, you know, the bullpen a little bit of, uh, of, of allowance with that because, you know, a lot of runs are scored in Cincinnati. The Cubs, even a losing effort, you know, almost put up d- double digits in their one loss, um, you know, in, in that one uh, against the Reds. So what I would share about the bullpen or about the, the starting rotation, rather, sorry, is just to say, you've got a collection of guys that have shown right away they're they're ready to go other than Darvish right now and so got to get him on track and there was some discussion about Darvish and Victor not linking up and so let's not put it all on you you know he he has always had kind of a valet guy and and uh so him and Victor have to really align for Darvish and his 15 20 30 special pitches I know it's like nine now but you know he's got to get aligned with his catcher so they can actually work together as a unit that's very important And this is such an honor. This is our seventh inning stretch guest conductor. And oh my goodness, none other than the radio voice of the Chicago Cubs, Pat Hughes. Welcome to the seventh inning. Happy to be here, Chad. This is exciting. It's the night before the opener. We are recording this on July 23. And uh, tomorrow we open up with Milwaukee. It's going to be exciting. Even with no fans in the stands, it is still Opening day, or more accurately, opening night, and I am very excited for it. We're excited to have you on here because this is, you know, we're when this airs, we'll have a couple games under our belt, but uh, we'll see what it's going to feel like. We've seen it in some of the summer camp games. I mean, you've had you've nine, you've had thirty eight consecutive years broadcasting Major League Baseball. You've been the voice of the Cubs since nineteen ninety six. Such tenure. How do you how do you rank this season in terms of excitement? This is such a unique year to broadcast, isn't it? Well, it, it's very unique. There's nothing normal about it. Uh, starting on opening day on July 24th, right there, you know something's not exactly the same as it normally is. But um, I think that uh, every season you, you get excited for it. I absolutely love being the, the radio voice of the Cubs. And you mentioned I've had a long, fortunate career. And this is going to be my 25th season with the Cubs. And I think back how fast it's all gone. Um I got the job in late November of, of 1995, and uh, Ron Santo and I worked for 15 years, then Keith Moreland for three, and now I'm beginning my seventh with Ron Coomer. So I've been pretty lucky with guys named Ron <laughs> on Cubs radio. But they're all exciting. I love the game. I love the Cubs. I love the fans. The audience we have, Chad, is the best in the universe, and uh, it's it's an absolute honor. It's a position of of both prominence and privilege uh, to be the voice of the Cubs. I don't take any game lightly. I know that the audience is is enormous. Um, Even this season, I'm sure we will have a tremendous uh, listening audience for Cubs radio, and that alone inspires me. But the fans are great. They love their team. They have a passion for it, and that uh, inspires me to do my very, very best every single day. 
we'll dig in a little bit about your thoughts on on this upcoming season, but I'd love to talk a little bit more about your history. You talk about your partners in time, and, and you talk about your time with, with Ron Santo. Um, I've been so impressed with how you and, and Ron Coomer have done such an amazing job of, of connecting and, and painting such a, a vivid pic- picture. So when you think about like what your role is up in the booth, um, how does that, that present itself in your preparation and, and who your teammate is? What do you appreciate about uh, kind of teaming up up there? Well, it, it is a partnership. It's a two-man format, as you say. Uh, some markets have uh, one-man formats where one guy does the, the play-by-play for a couple of innings, and then he turns his microphone off, and another guy comes in and does two or three innings, and then they, they switch off. Ours, we are always on the air for the entire game. Now, I get one inning off. That's because of my advancing age, I think, more than anything else. But I get the fifth inning off, so I'm there eight out of the nine innings. Uh, we have a third man, Zach Zaidman, who is tremendously talented and also is a very key component of the broadcast. But we get along. Uh, Ron Coomer is so good. He, he's a complete team player, just like he was when he was a ball player with the Minnesota Twins, and then briefly with the Cubs and Yankees and Dodgers. Uh, he's, he's great. Uh, he wants the, the overall broadcast to be good. He has no ego. He loves to laugh. We have fun every day. But he's so smart. Uh, I, I remembered Ron from when he played with the Cubs in 2001. So I called him when this job came open. And that's really what began Uh, the story that led to him sitting in the booth next to me. And I knew that he was fun. I knew he was a good ball player and a good team player, but I didn't know just how, how smart he was and how he can talk in layman's terms and describe things on a big league baseball diamond so that every fan listening can understand. It's not too technical. It's not too inside uh, because I mean, major league ball players, they are so knowledgeable about the game that if you listen to a lot of them talk, you have no idea what they're talking about. But Ron Coomer is smart enough to realize that, and he never gets into an area that is confusing to the audience. And I think he's just uh, brilliant to work with. He, again, he has a great sense of humor. Uh, we like to laugh. We like to tease each other. We have fun with the language, fun with the game. And uh, I, I could not ask for a better partner than, than Ron Coomer. I love your passion, and I appreciate it. I, if, if I am not able to be there at Wrigley Field in person or if you're on the road, I love to, um, even if it's on, the, on, on television, I love hearing the radio feed. I just I, You paint such a beautiful picture. When I think about, when I reminisce of, of the memories, it's obviously in the last few years, I, I think about that iconic call at the end of the Cardinals game in 2015 where you said, I wish all of you could be here right at this moment, and I felt like you really meant that. And When you reminisce back on your time, what are those moments where that gives you chills when you have a chance to kind of listen back to what you said or even what you experienced? Well, it's interesting. I was, I was so very proud to say that because it came right, uh, right near the end of the game. It was, uh, an amazing atmosphere. If you were there, Chad, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and you were right. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was as if, uh, the fans were saying, we are going to beat the Cardinals in a postseason series. And it was almost hysterical. It was so exciting. And I just sensed it. And I just said that. I said, I wish everyone could be right here at this moment because this atmosphere is absolutely unbelievable. And I, I had a, a similar feeling in Game 7 of the World Series. 
I said uh, something like, Cub fans, you are going to remember where you are right now for the rest of your life. Uh, and it was just a thought that I had that uh, everyone remembers where they were in Game 7. You remember if you were uh, at home or if you were at the game or if you were at a, a local tavern or with friends or families or relatives. Everyone knows exactly where they were. So it was, it was just a thought. And um, I'm a fan, too. And, uh, you know, I remember where I was, for example, when I was seven years old. I was a Giants fan. They beat the Dodgers in a best-of-three playoff by scoring four runs in the ninth inning of the third and decisive game to win 6-4, to four, and the game was at Dodger Stadium. I remember everything about that, uh, the whole half inning. I won't bore you with it, but I remember I was there with my family. It was a black-and-white TV in our family room in San Jose, California. So these, these moments that you experience as a baseball fan, they are indelible. And immediately you will remember them 30, 40, 50 years later. Uh, and I mean, down to the details of who you were with, what happened in the game, your feelings at the moment. And that's a very special thing about baseball. And I don't think really, Chad, you can say that uh, those kinds of things about many other aspects of life. I really don't. And for so many people, your voice has been kind of that guiding guiding light. I remember coming back, being able to get to see the games in Cleveland as well. Um, it really didn't it didn't hit for me until I could sit on the couch with the Blu-rays and actually list, watch the game with your feed and actually hear your voice throughout. Even some of the losses, it was good to see. So let let's shift a little bit if we can to um, this year and let's uh, let's let's talk about your analysis a little bit on the team. This is a core that people had a lot of expectations. If you go back to 2015, there as big expectations that they wouldn't just be looking at one World Series, but a few. Um, what is your expectation for this core team before it, if it, it semi, seemingly has to all be broken up one day? Well, uh, obviously, eventually it will uh, have to be broken up. That's just uh, the way of evolution and aging and business and, and baseball today. But uh, I love this team. I really do. This team has been so much fun to watch. Uh, you go around the diamond. Um, we were talking last night about what a thrill it is to watch a player like Javier Baez play baseball every day. He loves the game. That's one of the common threads among the current Cubs stars, talking about Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, Wilson Contreras, just to name a few. They all love the game, and it's obvious. They they have a joy. They, they're like kids out there playing, and, and that – is something that fans love to watch. And I know as a broadcaster, I love to watch that. So uh, no matter how this season turns out, this has been a special group of Cub ball players and special teams. And when you go back 30, 40, 50 years with the Chicago Cubs, and you start uh, saying that the Cubs were in the playoffs this decade, Chad, four consecutive seasons, it would have been unthinkable back in the 1950s or 1960s or 70s to make that statement where uh, it's hard to believe, but the Cubs went from 1945 until 1984 in between, not a single postseason appearance in 39 years. And to make it four straight years in the postseason, capped off with an incredible World Series victory in 2016, uh, no complaints. You want them to go all the way every year. It's hard. It's harder now than it used to be. You have so many teams. So many good teams. You have 30 teams, and, and every team has money to spend, unlike the old days. Um, 
So it's it's just difficult to to win a World Series. You think of how many great things the Cubs did in 2016, and they just barely won Game Seven by a single run in a in a you know cliffhanger of a battle in Cleveland against a good Indians team. So it's um, it's not easy to win. I'm glad the Cubs did win it once. They can't take that one away from from the Cubs or their fans. And uh, I'm hoping they get another one. But um, who knows? I'm I'm not real good at uh, predicting what's going to happen in a game or in a season or a series. Um, people think that <clears throat> because you're there every day that you you can make predictions. I I tell people I am smart enough to know that I'm not that smart to be able to predict baseball. That's part of the beauty uh, of the game is the unpredictability of it and the excitement. You never know what's going to happen. It's like going to a to a drama. A dramatic play, uh, it just happens to be taking place on a baseball field, and you don't know how the story is going to end. You kind of know how a story will end if it's a movie or if it's a play in some theater. But in baseball, you, you, you get these pleasant surprises many times where you are just uh, overwhelmed. We were talking about the David Bodie Grand Slam on that Sunday night a couple of years ago against Washington. You talk about an unbelievable win for the Cubs. They were down 3 nothing in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs and nobody on base. Two guys get hit by a pitch. Another reaches on an infield single. Suddenly the bases are loaded. Suddenly the count goes to 3-2 and two on David Bodie, and he drills a grand <laughs> slam to dead center. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so much fun. Um you just never can predict baseball. So I don't try. I know we have a lot of good players. We're certainly going to be a good team. And in fact, I just read within the last hour, the new format for the postseason, the playoff format for major league baseball. This has not been announced yet, but it looks like very much like 16 of the 30 teams are going to be in the postseason. And uh, we'll just have to read the news here in the next few days. So that means more teams will make the playoffs then will not make the playoffs. So I like the Cubs' chances to be one of those 16. Such a such a great tweak there to keep the fans involved. I want to get you out here with just one last question, and, and this is such a unique year. Obviously, you're not going to be traveling with the team. Safety, uh, health and safety is such an important piece of it. When you look at the uniqueness of this year, is it still as special? I'm sure you're going to say yes, but what are you most looking forward to in this season, even though it's just that 60-game plus that playoff sprint? Just the excitement of, of Chicago Cubs baseball and the great fans we have and uh, going to Wrigley Field. And, and sure, I wish that we had fans there, but I understand why we don't. So it's, it's not that big of a deal. My job is a challenge to me every day. I don't take it lightly, as I mentioned earlier, but I love working with Ron Coomer and Zach Zaidman. We have a great boss and Mitch Rosen at the score. He was the national program director of the year for radio stations. Uh, the Cubs management, uh, Crane Kenny, the president of business, and Tom Ricketts, the owner, and his siblings, they never interfere with what we do. So I have total freedom. I have total support. I have partners that I love. I have a team that I love and an audience that I love. So I'm, I'm really, Chad, a pretty happy guy. Pat Hughes, legendary radio voice of the Chicago Cubs. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Friendly Confines. It has been a pleasure and an honor. Well, I'm happy to be on with you, Chad. Thank you for being a great fan. 
And I hope at the end of this season, I get another chance to say, the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. And once again, our special thanks to Pat Hughes. For me, legendary voice of the Chicago Cubs radio. Um, I, I've listened to more games of Pat than watched games on TV with others, um, really in the last, you know, two decades, he is a special person to me and what a thrill it was. And just so gracious. Didn't, how much did you enjoy that? Oh, that was tremendous. I mean, he's such a great guy. His, I mean, just demeanor and kindness really spills over into everything he does and his compassion and his passion for the Cubs. So no, that was great. And I know that was a huge thrill for you. And we're so happy that he took the opportunity to uh, join us. And if you have anything you want to add about the interview with Pat, or you want to talk to us about who you'd like to see us or hear us interview, well, go to our Facebook page. It's the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. You can join anytime. We'd love to engage with you, the listeners. Plus, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. So please make sure to follow us there and you can get all the information you need to interact with us about what's going on with the podcast. Plus, as we move into the eighth inning, it's important, Chad, that people know that when they go to social media, there's an opportunity for them to possibly win some prizes and more importantly, yeah. get an opportunity to co-host the Friendly Confines with you and me how can they do that well you know we've got such a des- uh, uh, just a really dedicated audience and we appreciate it we see the listener numbers each and every week we're we're just about to 25,000 downloads we're really proud of that and we want to do something fun this season it's a shortened season and we thought we'd want to open it up a little bit but also we're going to ask for your help if you're a dedicated listener if you're listening right now you you must be we would appreciate if you would help us share, promote, and get the word out about the Friendly Confines Cubs podcast because we are enjoying what we're doing. You know, from everybody from Mike Greenberg to Lynn Casper to Pat Hughes to Joe Buck to, you know, we're going to have Chris Myers from Fox Sports and NFL coverage. He's coming up in a couple of weeks. We're, we're so excited about all the guests that we have, and we want to share them with as many people as possible. So here's the contest that we're going to run, and we hope it's fun. So what we would like you to do is every time we record, every time we, we put out a new podcast, um, A, want to make sure that you have subscribed to it. And then also wherever you're listening to the podcast, you give us a ra- rating. And if you can, please type us out a review. Write us out a review. doesn't have to be long, but share what you enjoy about the show. And then once you've done that, go ahead and send a message, post on the Cubs Friendly Confines he- Facebook headquarters that uh, and tag friends who are Cubs fans who are not a part of the group, but tag friends and let them know, hey, take a listen to this podcast and also join this page. And we will be keeping track of the people that do that this year. And once a month, we will choose at random uh, the person who will actually join us for a bonus inning where you choose the topic, you debate the guys, you debate us, um, and you'll get to have a special special guest host uh, uh, opportunity for the Friendly Confines. At the end of the season, we have a very special prize. We're going to announce it here in a couple weeks, but all of the people that have taken part in this, we're going to randomly choose, again, no purchase necessary, randomly choose all the people, um, and one person in particular will be getting 
something very special from the 2016 Cubs season. So really excited about that. If you have any questions about the contest, we're going to post the um, this and put it at the very top of the, the Facebook page to get people engaged. But we're just asking you to share the podcast, share your love for the podcast and the friendly confines because we want to grow this audience more and more. What do you think, Ryan? I, I love the idea. And I think that's a great opportunity for anybody who's a, you know, regular listener to our program. And I hope we are able to continue to grow this. And uh, it all it counts because of our listenership. So the more listeners we can get, the more interactive we can be with you guys. So uh, great opportunity and uh, looking forward to seeing um, who can, uh, you know, step up and, and be that person yeah. who's going to join us. So with that, please guess, help us out. Yeah, that- please, well, Just Ryan, I'll say the one last thing they always say. It doesn't hurt to ask one. And also, you know, just can you help us? So we're asking you, help us grow the podcast even more. We're ready for a breakthrough, uh, even in this shortened 2020, incredibly interesting year. All right. So let us move on now to the ninth inning, Chad. And during the Cincinnati game on Wednesday, we saw a very rare triple play. Uh, being handled by Chris Bryant. Maybe he's not hitting the ball, but defensively, he hasn't uh, skipped a beat. Uh, You know, some would say he maybe trapped the ball. But regardless, it still counted as a triple play. And, uh, hey, we'll take it any way we can get it, right? So, uh, Chad, is there anything more unique or hard to do than a triple play in Major League? It's very rare. It's very rare. The unassisted triple play is is obviously the rarity. You don't see a lot. Now, let's be very honest. Chris didn't have a triple play, but because of the rules of baseball, they could not check and see. It was an absolute trap. There's no question about it. But it was cool. It was fun, um, and it was great to see. But I, um, I have. It reminds me of a really uh, of a story, and I don't know if my my buddy. Uh, um, Matt, or as we call him, Tree is listening, but he invited me out to play a game out in the suburbs of Chicago and a really competitive softball team. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but a really competitive softball team. And I was kind of nervous. It was unlimited arch, which I actually love playing. Um, but this guy was a really good pitcher and I was in my head and I struggled. And then I finally put some good wood on the ball. And there was a guy standing right behind second base and and I hit into a triple play. So I remember the one I hit into, and I actually was a part of a couple um, that I fielded in my time. But uh, it was fun to see. And, and and those are the moments of why I'm glad baseball's back, because that would, would have been a play that I would have loved to have seen any of the teams play. That's, those are the highlights that I like to see. Yeah, first triple play since May of 1997 that the Cubs have pulled off. You know, I guess when you think about it, um, I would say it's probably the most rare thing you see in baseball because you could sit there and say the cycle or a no hitter, but those we've seen quite a bit of, we don't really see a triple play too often. So for my money, I think that's uh, kind of the rarity that you would see. Yeah. I mean, you think about Pat Hughes. Yeah. Pat's been with the team since 96. Is that his only a second triple play with the Cubs? That's kind of kind of a fun stat to see, but it was fun. It was exciting. It, it, it wasn't a triple play, but yeah. in the books, it yeah. absolutely is. So go, Chris. Good job. All right. Well, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. Once again, our thanks to the great and legendary Pat Hughes. And, of course, you, Pat. we will be back with you next week with another episode. So for Chad, I am Ryan. Hey, everybody, please wear a mask. See you at the ballpark one day. Just a game 
For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field The first time you walk into Wrigley 